Kia ora, etihaua, me te whanau. Welcome, friends and family, to the Candid Kiwi podcast. I'm your host, Melissa, and I am the Candid Kiwi. Kia ora and welcome to my 16th episode. In this episode, you get to meet my really good friend, Carly, and Carly talks to us about her story. Carly's story started with a little bit of depression, anxiety. She's also ADHD, and she struggles through that in her teen life. She talks about some alternative education that she did, as well as how she handled that. She also got married to a great guy, Levi, and they had a couple of children together. Together. Her daughter Hadley has autism and she talks to us about that. And then her son August has type 1 diabetes and she talks to us about the struggle of that as well. Carly also has 40,000 followers plus on Instagram on her meme page. So what she does is she makes up and shares memes. She loves it and she's really funny. And her Instagram and Twitter page is Mummy Meme Jeans. And so you should go check it out. And so I'm excited for you to meet Carly and to be able to hear her story. She's a blast and I'm so grateful to her for coming and being vulnerable and sharing with us her story and so I'm excited for you to come with me and to be able to hear what she has to say to us and what you can learn and what you can relate to and maybe be educated on. Okay, let's go. Hey, so I'm here with Carly and welcome to the Canon Kiwi. I appreciate you being here with me. Thanks so much. Thank you. Yeah. So why don't you give us a bit of background as to when you first noticed depression and anxiety in your life as a teen? That's a good question. So my family has always been kind of predisposed to it. So mm-hmm. most of the women in my family and extended family have some form of depression or anxiety. Mm-hmm. And also a lot of us have ADHD diagnosed mm-hmm. or undiagnosed. So that's a whole different thing. Do you have thing. ADHD? I do. Yeah. Oh. Untreated right now. Oh. I've treated it before. I don't notice a whole lot of difference oh, okay. when I do it. So I think I just haven't found the, the right mix. I don't know. But yeah, so, you know, it's already something that I was kind of aware of in other family members, but I didn't think that it would necessarily affect me until I was a teenager. And mine, I've always kind of had the anxiety part of it where like social situations, I always felt a little uncomfortable or felt like, you know, I was kind of always hoping people would cancel plans. Like if I could just stay home, (laughs) it would be a lot. I'm naturally a homebody, but I really would get anxious. And when people would cancel, I was like, sweet, you know, (laughs) but I'd go to all the school dances. I did all the things I was supposed to do, just filled with so much anxiety. And then my senior year, I had a bad breakup. I was I was young because I have a summer birthday. And so I had just turned 17. Um, I was 16 when I was dating a guy that was a 20... He was 22 at the time. Mm. Met him through uh, my job that I had. And we, you know, we ended up breaking up. Uh, he dumped me right at the beginning of my senior year. And I went into my senior year with like a 3.9 GPA. Nice. And I had submitted like all my scholarship stuff and pretty much from October on I barely graduated high school like I mm. I did not show up for classes I didn't show up I, it was I was paralyzed mm. like it was the most crushing depression and so not saying that the breakup caused the depression I think that was just the kicker mm. I think that it opened up a part of my sadness or whatever that I had been able to keep back mm. because I was over him 
really quickly. You know, I was, I'd go on dates and stuff, but I think it was the trauma of him being older. And, you know, at the time I was active in the church and we had had sex. So it was like the trauma of dealing with like hating myself for that and, and not wanting to tell anyone. I totally kept it secret. And now I look at it for what it is like, oh my gosh, I was so young. I had a 17 year old brain dealing with you know, some really adult issues. Mm. So, yeah, so high school, I barely graduated. I had a great counselor that kind of knew something was going on. I think my mom probably was doing more behind the scenes than I knew about because, you know, all of a sudden I'm like in the counselor's office and he Mm. seems to kind of know a little bit about me. Mm. So I ended up doing the last semester. I would still go sometimes for classes and then I did... Uh, like the alternate courses where you do kind of, uh, you'd go to a different location and then you do the, I'm sure it's online now, but it used to be these packets. And I was so upset because it was perfect for me. Mm. You, I wish I had known about it. Mm. And it was this, they call <laughs> it was actually called, oh my gosh, it was called ALLC. And that mm-hmm. was for like Alpine Life and Learning Center or something mm-hmm. like that. But we called it a loser's last chance Aww. because it was a lot of like pregnant <laughs> teens. <laughs> It was like pregnant teens or people who dropped out. And so I, but I loved it. I loved the kids that went there. And I was definitely the most like straight laced of anyone that was Mm. there. But Mm. it was such a cool thing because you go at your own pace. You go to this location that's different from a school. There's no like set schedule. And Mm. so I would just pick up a packet on something I was interested in. So if I needed a science credit, you know, there was like learn about how to make a battery so it was like all this paperwork on how to do that and you go at your own pace and they had teachers available and I was so bummed out because I'm like man they that would be a really cool experience for a lot of kids that just struggle with the the structure of school or the social anxiety just Mm -hmm. being able to do it at their own pace so anyway I graduated and then from basically from then on out I've struggled I've been on antidepressants since my senior year so I started on Prozac and that was in 1999 and 2000 so Mm -hmm. that was when not a lot of people talked about it. I mean, it was definitely people knew about Prozac, people knew about depression, but it wasn't something that was, you know, talked about a lot. And it just was an awkward conversation to have. Like, I don't think any teenager knows how to fully express the things that they're feeling, you know, because you're kind of doubting if you're saying the right thing or, mm-hmm. you know, if it's all in your head. And, mm-hmm. and now, of course, now I know, like, mm-hmm. I'll, t- I'll talk about it with literally anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, like, do you want to hear about my depression? It's a good one. It's a good one. Like, you want to compare notes? No, I'm... But, but for real, like, it is such a common thing now, and I don't know if that's because it's become more acceptable to talk about it, so people are like... I think so. Yeah, don't, don't you, you think? think? Yeah. Like, I think so. I think it's a fabulous change. Yeah. That, a fabulous shift that's happening. Yeah. I love it. I do, too, and I think... And I feel bad for looking at, like, my grandma you know, who I know probably had struggles and she was so busy raising a family. Like, who did she talk to? Or, mm. or what did she do when she was feeling like a bad mom? Mm. Hopefully friends, right? I hope. Hopefully I mean, it's a like, village. Yeah, I hope family, so. And, a sister. Yeah. And so it does make you aware of like, you know, I need to be there for, you know, the people that have that. And I, and I think one thing with anxiety and depression is that you get anxious that you're not doing everything you should. Right. Yeah. And there's always like, I can do more. I should be doing this. And so what I've, the one thing that I've been gentle with myself about is when I can do something, I will. So like if I meet someone who needs, you know, to list someone to listen to them mm-hmm. and I'm in a good mental place, mm-hmm. then I do. Mm-hmm. But there's times when, you know, someone will say like, Hey, can I vent to you? And I'm, I kind of have to put up the boundaries mm-hmm. like, um, sure. But 
you know, here's where I'm at. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and I, and I, I appreciate when I do that to my friends, I'll say, Hey, can I complain? And they're like, actually, you know, it's been kind of a crazy day. Like, mm-hmm. let's, let's talk about it tomorrow. I'm like, cool. Mm-hmm. But, but again, I just try to like capitalize on the times that I'm feeling good. And that goes for everything like housework or, you know, doing crafts with the kids. Like if I'm feeling okay, I really do try to, you know, the problem with it though, is that it, especially with ADHD is that I can get excited about things and make plans and start projects. And then it just dies. It mm. is. Do you have that? Like where uh, you're super motivated at the beginning of something? Yeah. What I'm not motivated much to even start <laughs> stuff like ever. <laughs> like, like I, I don't know. Like when I'm making cakes for my kids, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm drew. I'll like, bake the and drew will finish it you yeah. know what i mean yeah. and so maybe a little bit yeah maybe a little bit but maybe you're gentle with yourself though. i'm just like, not a go-getter i've yeah. never been a go-getter like people are yeah. putting up all of these big decorations their yeah. house is like immaculate there i've just never even started with that right. like i've just like no nah, i don't really that seems want to do that you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. yeah that seems like a lot of hard work yeah. i'm not into hard work yeah i don't want to do that <laughs> like totally the decorations like when i see a super like done up house at Christmas, I start stressing for them. I'm like, where do they keep those? How much money did they spend on them? And yeah, who helps them put them up? So, but yeah. they love it. I've they got do. a girlfriend and she changes her whole decor of her Christmas tree every few years. And it's seriously like yeah. she needs to be put she needs a magazine. Like, it's amazing. Yeah. And I think about that, too. I'm yeah. like, oh. Yeah. But then I listen to her talk about it, and yeah. I see her face, and I'm like, oh, I guess she just she just loves it. The world she loves needs it. Martha Stewart. Yeah, like, they there do, are, and she's one. Yeah, my sister is uh, very, like, she's creative. She's hardworking. She's all the things, like, I want to be. But but I see her, and I and I recognize that I don't have those things, and yeah. that's okay. You yeah. know, like, I we all have you know, different traits. And so I think it's like with your friend, it's nice to be able to say like, I'm happy you have that. I, yeah. I want nothing to do with it, but. <laughs> yeah. And I think that you've got like a perfect storm. You've got this anxiety, depression, and you've got ADD, ADHD. Mm-hmm. And so you've got this perfect little storm that's going on with you. And so do you think age has helped you to be able to be kinder to yourself with that storm? Oh yeah. In fact, sometimes I feel like I'm I'm very forgiving of myself. Mm. And sometimes I wonder if I, I do that. I'm like too forgiving because I'll, I'll let the house go to pot. I'll, yeah. you know, I'll just let things slip. And I'm just like, hey, I'm just not in the mental space for it yeah. now. I don't think that's, a, I don't think yeah. you can be too forgiving. I, I think yeah. that's a good thing. So I'm, yeah, with age and with a partner, with my husband who's very like support, he doesn't, He's never had depression. He doesn't really know anyone with depression. His family is oh. like one of those families that's just happy naturally. Wow. It's very bizarre. And I need uh, to have them on the podcast. I've never heard of a happy family before. Oh my gosh, I'm they're just kidding. like none of them are medicated. It's crazy. So that's awesome. <laughs> but um, but yeah. So he knowing that he's not going to be tapping his foot, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. at, at like why didn't you make dinner? He would never do that. And yeah. so. I think that's how I've been able to become more gentle, but great. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. Age. I, I love getting older. Like Mm -hmm. it's for the most part, every year has brought on like new joys only in this last few years of being like in the late thirties. Have I been like, okay, like, I'd, I'd like to put on the brakes. I would love to stay this age. Yeah. Um, so Late 30s is pretty good. It's so good. Like, you have the the mental 
development, you know, the ex- life experience, like mm-hmm. you can have more fun with your older, you know, the kids are getting older. So. You're not having any more. Oh, that's no. That's a nice thing. No. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, At no. your late 30s, it's like, <laughs> I'm done with kids. Yeah. So that's nice. And it's almost like when you know you're done, I feel like you can kind of just appreciate everything a yeah. little bit more. There's no question of if you're going to have to do it again yeah. or want to do it again. We always knew like when I found out I was pregnant with August, we knew that that was it. That was um, it. Yeah. And so it was nice because I enjoyed everything about the pregnancy and I enjoyed, he was a really rough newborn, but I still was like, I know this is temporary and I also know I'm never doing it again. Yeah. So yeah. it was a way yeah. to get through it. So that helps. Yeah. Did you ever go to any therapy through all of this? I, in high school. So when I was in that senior year to get the medication, my mom uh, set up an appointment. I guess it was a psychiatrist. It was at BYU. And so I don't know if he was like a psych student, but it was a combination of like therapy and medication. So I did that for a little bit. I had a really hard time articulating what it was that I was sad about. I kept thinking that I had to have a reason that I was feeling sad. And, you know, from all appearances, everything looked fine. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I had a supportive family and I was smart and, you know, had friends. So Mm -hmm. I don't, I think I, I struggled with therapy because I kept wanting to explain why, why I was sad Mm -hmm. and I just didn't have the, the language to Mm -hmm. do that. Mm -hmm. So I did that. I, I've gone to therapy a couple times off and on through twenties and thirties. And then last year, no, not 2020, 2019, I went pretty consistently. So, uh, my husband had a my husband's insurance offered something where you could get a certain amount of therapy sessions for free. So Great. I was like, heck yeah. So Great. just not having that financial worry yeah. made it more, it was fun to go. Good. So uh, we did marriage counseling for a little bit, which was, I, I ended up realizing that I needed my own counseling, you okay. know, on, it felt like the marriage counseling was more, we were okay. You know, it Great. was more that I needed to work on myself. So I, yeah, so I haven't had counseling since then. I probably should. I just haven't gotten around to it. Yeah. And 2020 kind of threw a wrench and everything. Yeah. I didn't want to do like computer session yeah. therapy. Yeah. I, my kids would be banging on the door. And... But you liked it enough? I did. I think, Great. I think therapy is, it's like a magic science, you know, it's like, They'll help you realize things that you didn't, you know, you didn't even know about. And then I remember once I was saying, oh, I'm so mad about this thing and I know I shouldn't be. And my therapist said, like, why wouldn't you be? Mm -hmm. Like, of course you're going to be mad about this Mm -hmm. thing. And Mm -hmm. I remember just like, it's... It's like having a little angel on your shoulder being yeah. like, your thoughts are valid, you're not crazy, you know. So I think therapy's amazing. I just need to Great. get back into it. So <laughs> how are you doing today with everything? Like, you sound like you're yeah. pretty forgiving. And do you think you have, with this storm of things that you have, do you think you have it kind of, I don't want to say in control, right. because that's bullcrap. Yeah. But do you have, are you in a safe space with it, I guess, yeah. right now in your late 30s? Yeah, it's. I think it's a difference, because it'll never be gone. Yeah. I think it's a difference of recognizing what's going on. So I yeah, yeah. I will say I'm having a bad day. like I'm I'm having an off day. I'll yeah. I'll call my husband and say that and he's like, "Okay, what's going on?" I'm like, "I don't know." Like and he just knows. Like it I don't have to explain it. Great. I just I'm off today. I'm sad for no reason. Great. Sometimes it's triggered by like, you know, stress. Like if something very stressful happens, like a, you know, for sure. car accident or yeah. like um, you know, you have some 
you're not prepared for some bills that arrive in the mail. Right. Things like that can can contribute. But there are days where it's genuinely like, I don't know why. Mm. I'm so sad today. Mm. I just, I want to curl up. I want to be in a dark room. So, so do you? Do yeah. you do that? I do. Okay. I, like, with And his, that helps, Yeah. Right? I, I have to get that. I mean, I think that there's a certain amount of fake it till you make it that is healthy. So I think letting yourself kind of fall into the feelings can be dangerous. So I do try to see, like, maybe if I just had, you know, went to the grocery store, like mm-hmm. if I if I made myself busy, would I feel better? Mm-hmm. If I genuinely don't feel better, like if mm-hmm. it's causing me more stress or more sadness, I'll let myself just mm-hmm. shut down. Mm-hmm. Like I need to be in a room and turn off the lights and just kind of sit with this for a little bit. Mm-hmm. I will almost always feel better after mm-hmm. a couple hours. I'm also on medication, so I do believe in treating it. I have yet to find the magic combination mm-hmm of medications that make me feel quote-unquote normal Mm -hmm. but I feel like I'm able to recognize you know what I'm going through and and Mm -hmm. how to treat it I definitely have had low points where it's like I am paralyzed with anxiety Mm -hmm. and and Mm -hmm. depression and I recognize those so I know what my extremes are and I know what I'm like when I'm fully functioning Mm. and so i'm i kind of have that spectrum to gauge like how am i today great yeah great so i heard like my son they've got a great health uh, teacher and they sent them these ted talks and in this ted talk he talked about what we're talking about right now and he said and from other people i've also heard that your feelings you can sit in if you sit in them for like 90 seconds and just feel that Mm -hmm. and then because as women i'm reading this other book too and as women we like to ruminate on stuff yeah so we let that run through her head right. and so they say and so he was talking about a combination of feeling your feelings like you were saying yeah, let yourself feel it but then also like you were saying figure out a way to move forward and so he's like just think about an hour like what can right. you do in this hour right and sometimes you choose to be in a dark room but sometimes mm-hmm. you choose to go do the groceries right and so it's mm-hmm. the matter of like being true to your feelings but then also figuring out okay what now right like do i go and do the groceries or do right. i go to a dark room what am i feeling like right. i can do hour to hour it's you know? so it's so true um do you know the actor bill Hader? Yeah. So he did this amazing PSA for it's aimed at kids. It's like definitely he's he's um, the video is aimed at like, I'd say probably young teenagers. But he's talking about how he always had anxiety, which is crazy because he's like a stand up comic, you know, improv. And but he said that for years he would go to therapy and he would do everything he could to get rid of it. Like, Mm. just I don't want it. I don't Mm. want the anxiety. Mm. I, I need it gone. And then one day, and I can't remember what he said, There's, it's on YouTube, it's really good if you just look up Bill Hader anxiety. Okay. okay. But he said basically one day he realized that it was never going to go away, mm. it's just part of who he was, and so he thought of it as like a little puppet, like a Muppet, you mm-hmm. know, on his shoulder, mm-hmm. and he would just say like, oh, hey, you know, you're here, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll deal with it. Like, he would let himself feel that anxiety, recognize that it wasn't going to take over his day, just let himself feel it, work through it. And then once he recognized that he would never get rid of it, but he could live with it, mm-hmm. then his life changed. And I, I love thought, that. that's a really good... I have to look yeah. that up and show my kids. Yeah. Thanks, it's Carly. Really yeah. Okay, so you're married, like you talked about, yep. to a wonderful guy called Levi. Tell yep. us a little bit about Levi. Uh, so he is from Boise, born and raised, which is kind of rare in Boise. Everybody here has moved here at some point, including me. So he's one of the like few people I know that went to like. He's elementary. the only person that can be super pissed that yeah. it's this busy. Oh, he's like <laughs> he's when not I was a transplant, but he's also <laughs> annoying when like we're driving past things. He'll be like, "This was just a field." 
old, you know? <laughs> it's like such a dad thing. I'll be like, this used to be a roller rink, and now it's, you know, I'm like, Ugh. I love it. But he's the history, Boise history buff. He is, yeah, exactly. So he's from here. His family lives here still. And we met in 2004. Five in January two thousand five, we met on MySpace. Nice, our <laughs> so like, MySpace. Yeah, love so, it. Yep, the original. So I had a profile, and and MySpace, I still will defend to this day that it is better than <laughs> anything out there because it would group you with people based on interests. Nice. So it was for better or worse, and also location. And so I had, you know, you put in your interests, you'd make your profile, and it was like what bands you like and what you know. Uh, foods you I don't remember but it was like all the things that make you you and then it would be like hey this person is within a mile of you and they like these things so anyway through that I ended up I saw him and I messaged him because I thought he looked cute and all that and he kind of brushed me off and he was like I have a girlfriend I'm like I'm not coming on to you <laughs> like it was simply common interest and then he saw me one day and he recognized me from the MySpace pictures, and so then he messaged me that night and was like, "Hey, I saw you." And anyway, from that, it was uh, we were married within six months. He so. got rid of the girlfriend. He yeah, she and was he married. Yay. Yeah, she was. Yeah, I actually had a boyfriend at the time too. Yeah, and guy. We just chucked them and yep. <laughs> found each other. We did. We, in retrospect, and I will always lecture my kids about this. We definitely got married too quick. Six months, pretty quick. It's way too quick. I'm telling yep. you. But that's the culture that we grew not up a Mormonville though, yeah. right? Mormonville, that's pretty six months is normal and so i yeah i i tell my kids and not just that it was quick but that i was really young so i I how old were you and levi so when i met him i was 22 it we got married right before my 23rd birthday and he was 24 and then 25 so that's not 19 and 18 which that's pretty good it's really good young but it's pretty good considering i know i know (laughs) mine is i just yeah, I think that was really young and really quick. But, you know, I it worked out. It did, because I don't know, honestly, if we had dated for a long, long time, I don't know that we would have gotten married. You know, it's one of those things that it's like actually putting a ring on it is what forced us to. You're in it now. Let's yeah. Commit. Like we had a rough first year of marriage because we were still getting to know each other. Yeah. And so it was like. And you don't live with each other. No. You know, yeah. so it's the first you're married and then you're mm-hmm. living with each other. Yeah. And like know? looking at the way they eat cereal or like yep. do their bills or, yep. I mean, it's stuff that you should, we should have these conversations. I would love if there was a class that you were required to take before <laughs> marriage that was like... A little bit of training. Just ask them things like, you know, do you believe in this? Or do you, you know, if if we had no money and we needed to do this, you know, we had to choose between groceries or a bill, what would you do? Because mm-hmm. I didn't know how we'd both react. And mm-hmm. it turns out we How were, do you? Yeah, we were totally opposite on a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it was a rough first year just getting mm-hmm. to know each other. But mm-hmm. but like I said, I'm, I'm glad that we did because... We were, you know, determined to work through it because it was like, well... You've been together, yeah. what, 15, 16? 16 years, yeah. yeah, so... That's pretty awesome. Yeah, there's been ups and downs, and overall, we've come out on top, so... There always is with marriage. Yep. Now, he's part of a great little company that he's loved. I mean, he yeah. loves cars, and he yep. loves just all of that stuff, and he has his own podcast. Why don't mm-hmm. you tell us what that is? So, he works <clears throat> for a company called The Rag Company, and... In a nutshell, they sell microfiber towels, mm-hmm. but they uh, have so much more than that. So they do a lot with the auto industry for auto detailing. And so they go to a lot of like trade shows and conferences and really fun things like that. And then they do their podcasts with the team that kind of, it's their media team. And so they 
talk cars a lot. They talk life a lot. They talk small business. Great. So anybody Great. who's interested in cars, small business, whatever, they really like the show. He has a really good energy on podcasts. Good. So he's, he does very well doing that. And then they do YouTube videos too. So they do Great. videos of them like cleaning cars, going through junkyards, um, cool. you name it. And then within the industry, there's so many... I mean, if you think about a car... There's so many things involved, like paint, you know, so now they have all these friends in the paint industry, or, or and then what about um, upholstery, you know, so they've got all these connections, and these people, they all meet up at all these trade shows, and so they've got this really cute little family vibe going, and so it's really fun for them to travel. He gets to travel a lot, and... And we always have visitors. Well, not like in our house, but we have. He has visitors who come to his. We have shop. random strangers that are coming no, through. He constantly. knows better than to do that to me. <laughs> <laughs> that is something that sends my that anxiety. Plus anxiety equals no. Oh, I have to have knowledge of if anyone is coming over there. Yeah, I don't. So do. they come to his shop. Yes, and uh, yeah. So he's he's very happy with his job. He loves it. Good. I'm glad you guys are together. We love Levi, and we love you guys. And so I'm glad that your marriage has been amazing for the most part like all of us yeah all of us no marriage is perfect but you guys have got it got it sorted out i think yeah so you guys have this beautiful baby girl mm -hmm. that was your first child tell me how old you were when you had her and tell us so, about her so we wanted to start having kids so you're married 2005 right we got married in after two six months <laughs> how long did you wait until you decided we, to have we waited a, a while we i'm a while in mormon culture yeah. it's a while we yeah. waited three years we wanted to that is a while well we it took long to have her so oh. we started trying three years after we got married okay. we didn't have her until we'd been married for six years so okay. we had you know three about three years uh, between the time we started trying to have kids and when she was born oh wow so we had a couple miscarriages sorry, i had sorry kelly oh it was i mean now of course looking back i have you know like, oh, it's okay. You know, then it made it so much better when she arrived. When yeah. you're in it, it's yeah. awful. It's yeah, horrible. It it's the worst feeling. Yeah, but, it is. But I, I miscarried our first one. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah it's it's a, a pain that isn't that well described in the world, yeah, I don't think. it isn't. We don't talk about it too much. I don't think we do because it's almost like... It's like what I was saying with my therapist when you don't have an answer. Like with miscarriage, it's like, what can you do? Like, nothing. You can't do anything. And it's you're just, just super raw and out there. Yeah. And there's no solution. And I think that's what I hated. I remember when I, I lost the first one and it was this feeling of like, well, now I have to start over. Like, it was like, you right. know, just the pain of like, no, we, yeah. we got the, pre you know, positive test. We had their first appointment. Like, I don't want to go back to not being pregnant. Like, yeah. it was, you know, that. And then the second yeah. one, I was a little bit further along. And so, not super far, but, you know, enough that I was getting excited. And yeah. so, and that one, that was a big blow. I remember that one was like, it took me a while mm. to recover. But yeah. it just, it was funny. When I got pregnant with Hadley, it was 2010. Mm -hmm. And I knew instantly it was going to stick. It was the right? weirdest thing. It was it was a feeling I didn't have with the other two pregnancies. I also knew, and I will sound crazy saying it, but I knew she was a girl, and I knew August was a boy, I, like, without a doubt. Awesome. Like, I, I would have been shocked if we went and got any other, you know, outcome at the ultrasound. But, so yeah, when I found out I was pregnant with her, I instantly was calm. I knew it was sticking. I knew that, that it was going to be fine. And it was. And it was a girl. It was a girl, and her name's Hadley, and she came a month early, so that was a little scary yeah but she was healthy um when she came out she was crying it was it was 
the worst labor you can ever imagine. Oh, God, but, sorry. <laughs> it's okay because August's labor was amazing. Like Good. It, so it was Yeah, one of eight. Yeah, you got well, I have both stories. I have like crawling up the wall screaming, uh, you know, yeah, uh, the yeah. worst experience and then I have like this beautiful like the sun was shining in the window. <laughs> like, at least it was not like that. It was very traumatic. Yeah, so we had her and then uh, 3 years later we had August. Oh, yeah, so, so they're 3 years apart. They are. And we didn't think we'd be able to have I mean because we had so many problems getting her we'd actually given up when we got pregnant with her I, I wasn't even trying and mm. I got pregnant with her so that mm. was exciting but so we kind of thought okay we're one and done and that's fine and then we tried for a little while I think about eight months we tried and then nothing with August so we gave up and then sure enough like a couple months later I was pregnant with him and awesome. same thing I knew right away that it was healthy and I knew it was a boy great and so yeah did you ever try in vitro or anything or did you just keep trying we, we and did, just we did it's the artificial insemination yes IUI okay. and then we did fertility medication okay so we did months and months of that and it makes you crazy and hormonal and uh, we did the injections and mm -hmm. we did all that we didn't do IVF it was way too expensive and we it just is. felt like if we were going to do that and at that point we didn't know if like I could carry a kid you know okay. we didn't know if the problem was with the womb and so okay. it was like are we going to do 15 grand on this thing right. or do we invest that into adoption so right. we looked we did like an adoption seminar we did a little bit of everything and and then we just decided like let's just be the cool aunt and uncle <laughs> like yeah you know because I have tons of nieces and nephews and he loves being an uncle so we were like let's just not even worry about it and yeah and then of course that's when I got pregnant so yeah now tell us about your journey with Hadley because mm -hmm. tell us she has autism right so tell us when you found that out tell us a little bit about that so I knew I knew as a mom in my gut pretty early on that something was a little bit off. How and early? Tell me how like, early. Like, yeah, I mean, six months, seven months. Really? Um, it was just, what was it? It was things like she, you know, it wasn't that I thought, oh, she's autistic. It okay. was it was not that. It was okay. just like, oh, this is a little different than most babies. Eye contact was was almost non-existent. She, was, she just seemed really busy. Like, we joked a lot about, like, she just always wanted to get down from somewhere mm -hmm. and go play. But then when she would play... She played so well on her own. It was not like any baby that was kind of needy or like trying to get you to interact. When they're about a year old is when they would, you know, maybe try to pull you over to what they're doing or they'd like hand you toys and expect you to interact. And we didn't have any of that with her. So at one year I was kind of like, okay. And she didn't have any developing speech. She just had noises. She didn't like being held. Like I could, she could sit on my lap, but if I tried to like cuddle her, she kind of would stiffen up. And mm. we just thought, again, like she's super busy, doesn't have time to be cuddled. But, and then she started, when she started eating solids um, after her first birthday, like really pushing regular foods, she was really. It wasn't that she was picky. It's that some textures seemed like she would gag mm. on, like, bana uh, not banana, mashed potatoes, pastas. She would mm. just absolutely, she hated them. So it was kind of like, okay, she's a picky eater, not a lot of eye contact, her speech isn't developing. I mean, it's a checklist of, like, mm. you know, autism things. But, again, not on your radar when they're that young. Mm -hmm. So we got her, we took her to her regular pediatrician who was awesome and who also had a son almost the exact same age that was having developmental issues as well. So he was like, oh yeah, I recognize this and this and this. It was a miracle we had that pediatrician because he Good. was so aware of this. Because I felt crazy. I, you know, most people, when I would tell them at 14 months that she was not talking, they're like, well, yeah, like she's a late talker. I'm like, no, no, like 
I get you it. You don't understand. Yeah, like there's... This is different. Like, it's totally different. There's, It's not registering. And so I felt like I was crazy saying these things. And I had plenty of people always saying, like, it'll come, it'll come, just relax. And I'm like, no. So I always pat myself on the back about that, that I fought hard from the beginning for her. Good. And so we... Yeah, her pediatrician said, yes, I'm seeing some things. Let's get her into... Idaho and most states have an early intervention program Great. where the state will send in, you know, occupational therapists or... Great. Um, Great. What a wonderful oh, support system. It was the best. So she got in-home occupational therapy, which is to help with her fine motor eating, just knowing her world. She kind of seemed to not be aware of her surroundings as much as other babies. You know, she was... A lot of autistic kids, they might fall or run into things because mm. they're just not it's like their their mind is concentrating on something else could be a sound mm. or a smell mm. that they're concentrating on and they might not notice what's around them she didn't have much of that but she did seem to kind of live in her own world mm. like that's the best way i could say it and she was the did this help yeah so she was the happiest baby to begin with okay. this this only made it better she, Great. so occupational therapy helped and then she had speech therapy which was it was hard it was not it was it was hard because it was emotionally draining on me to mm -hmm. see her not click, to see like that she just wasn't taken to it. But then we just found the combination of of the right therapist and the right way to get her talking. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so she, she how old was she when she started? Talking she started so she had echolalia, which is very common with autistic kids and kids with speech delay. It's it's their first way of communicating is just repeating noises or okay. sounds or words okay. without really knowing what they mean or you know so it, okay she would make she would repeat back like dora episodes like okay. she could speak that but she couldn't talk to me okay um so we knew that she at least yeah so echolalia is very common and it's actually it's really cute i mean it's like they'll do the voices and everything you know they mimic exactly what they're hearing so that's actually how we got her speech to open up we would say I'd go one, two, three, you know, and she would kind of say it back. And then we started doing it where I would go one, and then I would leave the blank. And then she would say two, and it was like, oh, there's that back and forth. Or like I would pull a car back, and I'd say, ready, set. And then she would say, go. And it's like, mm. that mm. is huge. And you don't realize that with a, a kid that's developing normally, that that back and forth just comes natural. But for her mm. and other kids like her, it isn't natural. Mm. So she was two and a half three when she started doing the a tiny bit of back and forth and then by the time she was four we were having full conversations she still to this day Great. kind of lives in her head and she'll she'll speak to herself and i can see that she's just repeating things that she's heard or she's now she sings now that she knows like song lyrics and stuff it's her singing but it's kind of she has that same look on her face where you can tell she's just kind of in her head and mm. it's so cute i love mm -hmm. it i she's the best so yeah so speech therapy we actually kept her in that well after she could speak because she had to learn frame of reference she had to learn like mm. in this scenario you would say this or mm. you would say that and it was just little things that again we take for granted that come naturally to other kids she had to learn oh like speech intuition basically like if you saw someone bowling and they stomped off because they didn't get a strike. Why do you think they're doing that? Mm. And so, and, you know, any other kid would say like, oh, they're mad. Hadley, we would do these flashcards with her. Like, mm. what do you think they're feeling? What are they going through? She would say like, she's probably hungry, you know? And it was like, uh, she's not wrong. It was just like, not what I would in infer. That's the word mm. I'm looking for. She, her inferences were off. And so 
it it was interesting because her brain would always get to the right answer. It would just take a different path. So we would have to say, mm. well, judging by just this picture, by their expressions, why do you think she's mad? And so it, it would take a little bit, but we had her in speech therapy till she was about eight and doing that kind of stuff. How old is she now? Ten. And how's she doing? Good. She's in. She still does occupational therapy once a week, which is amazing. It helps her with concentration. She also was diagnosed with ADHD, so we deal with that. <laughs> it goes hand in hand with autism. It's not surprising at all. Oh, okay. And I didn't know that. It's very common. And then just her being my kid, she mm-hmm. definitely <laughs> has that. She has a little anxiety, so we help with that. And Does that also come with autism? Yeah, especially girls with autism. Girls with autism do, uh, they try to present as, quote, normal. Um, so a lot of higher functioning girls with autism, what used to be called Asperger's, is just now called high functioning autism or okay. just autism. They they realize that they're different or that they're not behaving like other people. And so a lot of these girls try to, and mm. they'll they'll put on the mask of, like, mm. excited, or they'll put on the mask of, like, wanting to do a sport or whatever it is. that, And it's, it goes against what they're really feeling. Whereas autistic boys are more, and this is just generally, I'm, I am not speaking Could for the different. community. Yeah, right. it's every child is different. Of course. But there is a common thread with, like, autistic boys are a little bit more in their feelings. So if they're mad about something, they're not going to mm. necessarily hold back mm. where, you know, you'll know they're mad or sad or upset, whereas the girls will kind of hold it in a little more. So there's just a high percentage of adult women with autism that that have high anxiety. Mm. It just goes with it. So mm. I'm glad I, I learned about that and have learned like how girls with autism tend to be different than boys with autism and what I can do. And so, yeah, we just uh, work through it. She doesn't naturally volunteer info like when she has a rough day at school I won't know you know Mm -hmm. she comes out smiling she just internalizes it and then it might come out because she's being really moody about Mm -hmm. something and I'm Mm -hmm. like where is this coming like what's going on and then you know I'll say is there something like are you feeling something like was Mm -hmm. there something that made you sad at school Mm -hmm. so I have to really kind of drill down and then it'll come up like oh Mm -hmm. this thing happened Mm -hmm. Uh, but it's not her first instinct to tell that to me Mm -hmm. she kind of just puts it away. How old was she when she was officially diagnosed with autism? Three. She just barely turned three, which is, it's about the normal age. They, they generally don't diagnose before three. Just What were your feelings when she was officially diagnosed? Were you like, I knew it and you were fine? You know, or was funny. it devastating? No, it was devastating. Was it it okay. was, and the funniest thing is I look back on that, like, of course you knew it was autism. I mean, she literally, the checkmark box, it was everything. It was right there. But when we went to get her screened for a developmental preschool, because she still had the speech delay and everything, they said, you know, have you got, have you had an appointment yet for autism? And I was just like, what? And I think that I had honestly put it in the back of my head. Like, I had decided it was too early for that to be an issue. Even though I knew all the things that she was presenting were autistic traits, I just... And so I was like, are you serious? Really? I mean, I wasn't mad at them. I was just like, I mean, I guess I could get her screen. And so it's funny because I was devastated. And it's like, I look back now, I'm like, you knew, you knew the whole time. Mm-hmm. And I could have taken that as such a beautiful opportunity to go, oh, great, there's a name. Like, I have this thing that I now know, and I can go and study on it and and do all this. But I, I definitely wallowed for like, I don't know, it, it wasn't long. I mean, probably a week or so where I was just like, man, like mm-hmm. I have an autistic child. Mm-hmm. I am now part of this group that I didn't plan on. Mm-hmm. And what does that mean for her future? I mean, mm-hmm. at that point she wasn't talking much. So it was like, 
I was so scared, mm-hmm. you know, not knowing if she would even have like a normal experience of in course. life. And of course. so that, that was crippling. Like just thinking like, how am I going to do this? And of course, money is a different, th- you know, that comes into it because you want to get her the best therapies. And of course, is the state still helping with it? When they turn three, no, but Idaho has this amazing program called the Katie Beckett waiver, which is children with disabilities that qualify as, dis- as having a disability get free insurance through the state. So it's a Medicare or Medicaid. So she Hadley has her own insurance through Medicaid. And, and that helps your family. Oh, you have no idea. We we couldn't pay for her therapies. Like we literally got to the point where we had to stop several until she got approved for that. And then that's what we do. So from when she turned three, she started her developmental preschool. And that was amazing. It was, it's done at an elementary school in a separate part. And so it's with other kids that, you know, maybe on the spectrum, maybe, um, I think she had, she had a child with Down syndrome in her class. Some of the kids have physical disabilities. So it's just more of an inclusive place. And it's much less rigorous on the kids. It's much more you know, they go at a, a different pace. It was beautiful. So she did that. And then at the same time, we got approved on that Katie Beckett waiver where we could spend some of the money that uh, would come with that on her, it's called HI hair, uh, habilitative intervention. And it's something similar in other states called ABA, Applied Behavioral Analysis. I'm not sure. I probably have that wrong and everybody's going to scream. But ABA therapy and HI therapy are a little bit similar. Um, it's basically a social therapy to get them to learn how to deal with the world. Because unfortunately, the world isn't going to cater to the autistic child, which is too bad because if we all lived in a world where, you know, we did things that way, it would be a better world. It's <laughs> honestly like they're the best kids. You know, unfortunately, it's not. So that therapy was with this woman named Janine, and she was an angel on earth. So she started with Hadley. Right after Hadley's third birthday, she started to go with Janine up to four hours a day. So she was with wow. Janine, I think it was about. Tw- 18 to 20 hours a week mm-hmm. for the first two years. And we just had her with Janine almost as much as she was with us during the day. And it was amazing. It gave me the, it sounds awful, but it gave me that break from her. Um, it doesn't sound awful. It sounds great. It was amazing. You know, it, because honestly, she's a professional. She was. And so while your daughter is with her, she's yeah. being helped in a way that, yeah. I mean, you can help Hadley right. in your ways. Mm-hmm. And this is an opportunity for her to get help this way. Right. And an opportunity for you to like oh, not be with her. Exactly. Well, and I was working at the time too. So it was, you know, it was one less thing that I had to worry about, but she, oh no, at that point I had stopped working. She was still doing therapies when I was working. But anyway, so Janine, the therapist, I mean, I can't, I can't even put like a value on what she did for Hadley. Everything from helping potty training, which we didn't know if that would, you know, we were like, will she ever be potty trained? We don't know. She had her potty trained by four had her tie in her shoes on a normal time. I had her making friends. There were little things like how Hadley couldn't go to the grocery store with us because she, it was so loud mm-hmm. and um, overwhelming to her senses that she would just wander off. Like, mm-hmm. you know, she'd get distracted by something and just, I looked down and she was gone. Mm-hmm. And so it was, and then she didn't like to be confined in a cart. So it was always mm-hmm. a really anxious thing to take her to a grocery store. So I told Janine, you know, do you think you could help with that? And I, you know, didn't know what she would do with, I mean, it was a miracle. So she, she took Hadley to Trader Joe's and which is smaller and, you know, less chaotic. And she would have her practice holding onto the cart with her hand. She'd say, lock on. And Hadley would lock her hand onto the shopping cart and they would walk around and pretend grocery shop. And it was like, 
it was incredible because I all of a sudden my child comes back to me with these life skills that I didn't have to do. I know it sounds bad again, but like no, it doesn't. But to have someone else do them for you're you, you're not a child psychologist. No. None of us are, and yeah. you're not an autistic trained right. person. Like, yeah. there's it, no reason. I think with age, we realize, you know, we just we're not qualified right. to be the perfect leader for right. our children like right. it's a takes a village right it does it it does and, and janine was a great part of your village was, it was so funny when we went to go get her set up for the therapy the lady said oh my gosh i have an opening and your time slot works with janine and everyone in the room was like oh janine like they knew <laughs> that my daughter was about to get the best experience and so Good. we hung on to her hadley was with her until just about before she went into second grade she would see her less and less just because she was at school and, you know, there were less hours that she would have with her. But so she would still see her for a few hours a week up until second grade. And then we had to sever ties. Mm. It was awful, but mm. it was time. She was mm. she was doing so great that Good. it was time. And I wanted Janine to be able to help, you know, someone, someone else. else. Yeah. So we sent, you know, we, we, we said goodbye to her and it was, oh, I cried. And I still, mm. we talk about her all the time. Mm. I always say, Hallie, do you remember when you did this with Janine? And Good. yeah, so that Good. was, that was a miracle. And then, um, the preschool helped and then we were able to send her to regular kindergarten with a, wow. yeah, which I, you know, again, when she was like three and four, I was like, oh, I don't know what this life is going to be. Are we going to be on a different path? But she went to regular kindergarten. Um, we had her with an IEP, um, mm-hmm. which is now a 504. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically a specialized plan to help her succeed in school. And it turned out school was the right place for her. She just Good. took it to it like a duck to water. And Good. Good. she's fantastic at now school. Now she's going into fifth, fifth grade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. That's so crazy. I don't like it. She's so old. <laughs> I know. I don't like it. And she's doing so great. She's doing amazing. She, yeah, we even switched schools and she handled that transition perfectly. Great. And yeah, she, she has friends and yeah. it's been amazing. That's so good. Yeah. And has the autistic community been really good to you? Have mm-hmm. you found friends and support and yeah. like, has that been a good place for you as a mom, do you think? A yeah. Place? In the early days, I had so many questions and, and you genuinely are thrown into it like even just things like the paperwork involved just to get them approved for therapies or like you're filling out all these questionnaires that are like can your child do this can they do that and it is so disheartening Mm. because it's these milestone you know and and you have to do them for everything you have Mm. to do them every time they go to the doc regular doctor to the therapist to you're doing these checklists and it's just I felt like I was drowning in paperwork and like milestone reminders and so when she got diagnosed the doctor there said there's a local facebook group you can get on and and they'll answer your questions i'm no longer i don't do facebook anymore but i used that resource for the first like three or four years great and it was awesome because people would come in like spit in their fresh you know like Mm -hmm. i i have no idea what's going on and we could all gang up and help them or you could go with someone who had a child to adulthood you know Mm -hmm. uh saw the transition with disability from high school to college, like mm. what happens mm. in those years. So right. I learned a lot and it was great just to be able to say like, your, no- your feelings are normal. There were tears, there was joy, but overall I just, I had to keep saying our experience is not bad. Like we, there are people who have to deal with disabilities and just things that, that we never had to deal with. Maybe in a state that's not as supportive. Yeah. Ex- well that and, or a partner that's not supportive. Right. I mean, I can't imagine doing it as a single mom. So I just think, we had the best set of 
of circumstances that we could possibly have. Sounds pretty amazing. It does. And now I love, love autism. Her autistic brain is the most Mm. beautiful thing in the world. And her, the way that she comes to conclusions is amazing because she thinks outside the box and it's hysterical too. I mean, like some of the things I'm like, I never would have thought of that. (laughs) Or she hears noises I've never heard before. Like, you know, and and then she'll explain to me and I'm like, oh yeah, I didn't, I didn't (laughs) notice that. So I, she's pretty great. She's amazing. And I just, I love autistic kids and I love autistic adults. It is a beautiful thing that is undervalued in, in our world, especially in our country. If it was run by, you know, there's always the joke that like engineers are autistic. There's a reason for that. Their brain works different. But if you could apply that and let them be all these other things, you know, it It would be be a better world. Just beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And then you had a wonderful baby boy, yep. August. August. Augie, we call him, mm-hmm. right? And then three years later, and then he was born. It was a beautiful birth. And then <laughs> and then he, he was, was he was him, right? He was him. Augie has the strongest personality. It was he was him from the minute he came out till today. I mean, he's just he is his own person. Nothing's ever gonna change that. So he yeah, he was a really hard newborn. Uh, I won't go through all the details. He just It was just a hard experience. I went through some postpartum, crazy depression. But Shirt. we came out on the other side of that. And then we had, you know, two and a half years of him just being the most fun, carefree thing. And then um, in July of 2017, he had just gotten potty trained. So he just turned three in April. And he, so he was freshly potty trained. And it was a really hot summer. So we noticed that he was drinking a lot of water and that he was going to the bathroom frequently. And I just... You know, I've always known those were symptoms to diabetes, but since it doesn't run in our family, I didn't think about it a lot. Of but course. I just kept thinking, well, it's hot, so that's why he's drinking, and he's yeah. peeing a lot because he's drinking a lot. And right. it's, it's And because he doesn't want to have an accident, he's going frequently. For about two weeks, I'd say, we noticed that. And then one day, it just seemed extreme. It seemed like it was the thirstiest he'd ever been, and the most, and he was just peeing clear liquid it wasn't even like regular urine it was just straight water almost Mm -hmm. so i called his pediatrician's office and the nurse was like well let me ask it does you know he's not having all these other symptoms that would be diabetic symptoms like um lethargy loss of consciousness you know Mm -hmm. weight loss weight gain he wasn't having any of that but she was it was funny you could hear the nurse hesitate and she's like yeah, just bring him in. Like, let's just be safe. You know, you could tell she was trying to make that choice of like, is this serious or not? Or can I wait till tomorrow? Because it was a, his regular doctor was gone. So anyway, we brought him in. I had like the kids pool stuff packed in the car. Like we just thought it was going to be this quick thing that we went in and got him checked and then would like go to the pool later. Like they were literally in their like pool clothes. And then, so she's like, do you, the nurse said, do you think he could pee in a cup? And I was like, oh yeah, this kid, like no problem. (laughs) So, but seeing his urine in that cup was shocking because it was, it was literally crystal clear, like, Mm -hmm. and he filled it and it was like, what's going on? So something's going on here. Again, I was like, so anyway, the doctor came in and she said, I have bad news. And I said, don't tell me it's diabetes. And she goes, it's diabetes. And I was uh, like, oh. And, and I he just, was two and a half? He was three at that three, point. So me. he had just turned three. And I was like, there's no way. And, you know, she was, I love this doctor for this. She was kind, but was like, you got to go. Because I said, well, do I just like make an appointment? <laughs> I didn't know. I was like, so is yeah. this just something we'll make an appointment and we'll deal with down the road? Or, yeah. You know, and she was like, you need to go to the ER right now. His blood sugar was at 500, which a normal blood sugar 
for that age, it would be like 80 to 120. Gosh. So at 500, that's extremely high. Even now, you know, through all the gears, he's, he's rarely reached that high. So, oh, but at the wow. time I was like, okay, that does sound bad. I don't know what it means. Yeah. I don't know anything about diabetes. Like, is he going to die? Yeah. Like, like what? And what? he was, and he's literally like the healthiest little thing sitting there. Mm. Like I couldn't, I was like, there's nothing wrong with him. Mm. Like he looks healthy. So, uh, she was very firm and was like, you need to go right now. I'm calling them to tell you that you're coming. So we went down the elevator I called Levi just sobbing, you know, yeah. you got to leave work. He's, we're at the hospital. He's diabetic. And yeah. again, Levi doesn't know what that means either. He's yeah. like, <laughs> so like, I don't, you know, we just didn't even know what the first step was. So we go to the ER. It was completely traumatic for all of us. He was hysterical. Mm. Even just putting the IV in him was mm. so hard. They had to give him, I don't think at that point they gave him insulin. Um, I think we had to wait till we got to the pediatric unit, but we were in the ER for a couple hours and by the time we were taken up to the pediatric unit, his blood sugar was at 900, which is oh my just goodness. now I know how severe that is. It's insane. And I couldn't believe he wasn't showing other symptoms. So we ended up being in the hospital. He was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. And we were in the hospital for four days, three nights. And during that time was when we were learning everything. But when I learned, what I learned was that if he had gone, they said he was within like a few hours of going into DKA, which is diabetic ketogenic ketoacidosis it's when basically your organs start just your body is turning sugar into like acetone like into Ugh. you know it's it, that's why they would have like a sweet breath Ugh. a lot of kids that are in that in that failure so when a kid goes into dka they're they're in the picu for like you know two weeks and so Ugh. we barely missed that so we were lucky that that nurse had said come you know, in come in because it could have been a lot worse wow and it's crazy in modern times that diabetic tests aren't the first thing there was a girl in utah it's a really tragic story there was a girl a few years before august was diagnosed who uh, was displaying flu-like symptoms and they realized too late that it was diabetes and she ended up having some seizures that ended up really really um, hurting her. Yeah, it was it was bad. She ended up passing away from all the complications, but not before she had, you know, anyway, it was it was just really tragic. So, mm. we were lucky that we caught it when we did. It could have turned out way worse, but yeah, we spent that those 4 days in the hospital just I I had to tell the nurses like stop talking as if I know what you're talking about yeah. because I don't know anything about diabetes. Yeah. It's not on my radar. I don't know. I want to know, obviously. I want to keep my kid alive. And so they had to just start. They gave me, like, a children's book on it. And uh -huh. so I could even learn, like, what a pancreas does. And I still struggle with even knowing, you know, what beta cells do and what, you know, how his pancreas failed at producing these beta cells. And anyway, so, yeah, so it was a big learning experience. And then we just had to learn. It wasn't just learning how to deliver insulin or, you know, how to check his blood. It was that we didn't know what level of insulin he would need. Right. So those four days were like, okay, we gave him way too much. We were having to feed him juice all the time mm -hmm. in the hospital. So we figured out that he was in a very early stage and only needed microscopic levels of insulin. Oh. Which is probably why he wasn't showing a lot of symptoms, because it was just so early on in it. But with that, it was really hard, because every shot we gave him, it was so hard to even get... I'm talking, like, it, the drops that he needed were so tiny of insulin, it was hard to get him in a syringe, because mm. they were, like, the size of the needle hole. Mm. That's how much he needed. And so, quickly, within three months, we got him on an insulin pump, which can deliver just the tiniest doses. Great. And so that has been a lifesaver. And he has... Um, 
it's a CGM, a continuous glucose monitor, which links up and tells him at all times what his blood sugar is. Uh, it's pretty nice. accurate, too. So, yeah, the technology has saved him and saved us, and, and he's living a pretty good life right now with diabetes. So can he have a babysitter, and the babysitter mm -hmm. just kind of know what to do because this machine, yeah. like, basically looks after him? Yeah, or no, is it not, not that good? Not yet. When he's old enough to be able to handle a lot of it himself, then we'll feel comfortable. It took three years before we felt comfortable, like, letting him sleep over at the grandparents' house. Okay. Because just so much can happen, especially during the night. It would get crazy. And so, yeah, no, we, we kind of, all vacations ended, all date nights ended. It was a really rough few years because it just put everything on hold. And I, Gosh. and again, with Hadley, like, I didn't want to ignore her issues, but just to have his, <sighs> his issues were actually life and death. So yeah. I kind of felt like she got put on the back burner a little bit, and I felt a lot of guilt with that. But mm -hmm. ultimately, you know, we had to get him settled before yeah. we could so it was kind of just this balancing act so now we definitely can like at school he has the nurses who can help him but it, it's still i'm involved with it every day if we go on a date night I, we're still we are constantly on the phone constantly mm -hmm. checking so no we are definitely not free from it but it'll be when he's you know probably 10 11 12 he'll be able to start taking care of it the issue with that though is that that's the age when they don't want to take care of right. it that's when they get stubborn right so it'll be interesting to be like you have to do it you know when they don't want to so i don't see it not being a big part of our life right <laughs> like, you know it'll be sure. there forever but yeah but the technology is getting better every year and yeah he's he's living as good a life as he can so so this little machine just mm -hmm. pumps him with the insulin that he needs at yep. all times at all times and um, so you checking it is you just making sure that his numbers are legit yeah right? so i uh yeah so the the monitor tells what his number is the pump is connected in a closed loop system to the monitor so it will go oh your blood sugars looks like it's going up we're going to give you a little extra or it looks like you're going down so this dose that you would have got at this time we're going to hold off on it's amazing however it is not fine-tuned at all it's very general so we're still constantly going in and doing it ourselves mm -hmm. and okay. um and then we still have to bolus bolus is when you give them insulin we have to bolus him every time he eats anything so um oh, man. yeah so it, that's what's been hard with school is like if he gets a snack if he doesn't eat all his lunch and we bolus mm. him for too much then we have to deal with the repercussions or if it's especially hot and he's sweaty outside you know Gosh, um, Kelly, so it's, it's a constant. it's a balance it is all it's day every constant. day so and then the other thing is that we change his insulin pump every three days and it's a big process it's a pain in the butt a lot of little pieces to it and so oh. if we travel anywhere we need to bring enough assuming like maybe the pump fails so we need to have like a backup anyway so many supplies and they're the the cost of them is it's astronomical but does he get help um no he doesn't so idaho does not technically qualify uh diabetes as a disability so i spoke with an attorney who said not a lot of people have ever fought that so if i wanted to fight it She's like, I definitely would support you fighting it. Um, she's like, but it really, it no one know. It's like a uncharted territory. Like, there's just not that many kids, and there's not that many kids who need the financial support that we do. So they said, it sounds crazy, but the sicker the child is, the greater the chances that they would qualify for disability. But the reason he's not sick is because we take care of it. So it's yeah. like, I'm not going to not take care of him and let him be... Because they were like, well, how many times has he been hospitalized? I'm like, well, just the once. 
They're like, well, then it seems like he's healthy. You know, he doesn't look disabled. I'm like, oh. So he is. He's it's very a daily thing. It is. Well, and the definition of uh, in Idaho of the disability is that the child can't care for themselves, basically, like in, yeah. in certain areas. And you would or, think this would qualify. Right. Or that, that a, a person has to intervene to make their life livable. 100%. That's a disability. You. Yeah. So I'm hoping that changes. I don't know. I honestly just haven't had the bandwidth of my brain, especially in this last year, to pursue it. It just, okay. I know it's going to be a headache. I know it's going to be a lot of paperwork. Of <laughs> so I haven't. We've just... The att- attorneys aren't cheap. Exactly. And they've uh, everyone I've talked to has been very sweet, and they want to help, but I just am not mentally ready for that fight yet. I will take it on. We work a little bit with the JDRF, the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation, uh-huh. and I know they would fight, too. I know that they Good. we have them. So, yeah, it's, it's just been a been a treat <laughs> do you guys have medical insurance that's helping at all or is this all out of pocket no we luckily we do the first year we had an insurance that was good for us we thought and then we quickly discovered for a diabetic child it was terrible insurance oh, so God. it was crazy cost like just Gosh. to get out of the hospital with enough insulin to keep him alive for the end of the month it was just to leave the hospital like to go home it was like $1,500 right there just on insulin just on insulin and glucagon um which is like an emergency thing and so we switched insurances when we could and we got it slightly better but the insulin is a better price for us with the insurance that we're on which we're grateful for a lot of people out there have to pay full price for insulin and it is crazy expensive in the united states it's a tragedy but but the cost for us is the supplies. The supplies are very expensive, and you have to order them, you know, every three months. And we have to pay down the balance as much as we can before we can place another order. So oh, it's it's awful because there have gosh. been a couple times in, uh, let's see. So the the time that it was the worst was February of 2020, I think, was when we couldn't order supplies because we couldn't pay any more on the balance. And it was like the only time we've just had to ask for help. It was like, so I on the I'm on Instagram. We can talk about that later. But I have a, a community of moms on Instagram, and they did like a behind my back. They did like a whole fundraiser for me, and we were able to get enough to at least pay the balance Great. to order him supplies. Great, but it shouldn't be that way. This is with your a child. kid's life. I know. It's, it's like yeah. it's like they hold you hostage, yeah. and it's like, well, sorry, you don't have yeah. money, so your kid can die. That's I had so many conversations with. I mean, these poor people that work at the you know oh, companies yeah. like yeah, they, they, yeah, yeah. they're just you know i'm like you're gonna let my kid die and yeah. they're like ma'am i'm uh, just making ten dollars an hour like yeah. i'm not you know I, so i thought that i tried never to like do you want me to connect you to the president yeah i was i was like yeah i realized that it was a deeply more political issue then it wasn't, you know, just this company's fault. The company would give it away if they could. It's just, how are they going to get their money back? You know, yeah. as it is right now, it has to come it's from us. It is a business. It's a business. And it, it, in it's my a belief, cruel business. Yeah, in my belief, it shouldn't be. I think it's, it's a right, yep. especially for a child, it's to stay a alive. It's a right for a child to have medication, to so, stay alive. Yeah. So are you kidding me? We got really passionate during the time, you know, the Trump years when it was the... The possibility of it of us losing Obamacare, which makes pre-existing conditions, you can't, you know, exclude those. It would potentially roll that back to where we could be denied insurance because mm-hmm. of his diabetes. And then anyway, mm-hmm. we fought passionately. So like that, that was a big deal for us. It appears now that it's safe, but it is still ridiculous. It is not. Cheap. I mean, ju- yeah, just because it was, you know 
passed doesn't mean that it's still good. Yeah. I think there's a lot of improvement. I think there are definitely plans out there in politics that would make a lot more sense for Americans. It's just getting them to see that. I've watched really good videos on the National Health Service in England and other countries that do socialized medicine. And the amount that we spend on insurance and premiums and medications we spend so much more than would actually be taken out in taxes to cover that. hundred so, percent. Yeah, it's, we totally do. We do. And they think we're crazy. Like people from other countries that look at us are like, why are you doing it that way? Mm-hmm. Like, why would you not mm-hmm. want it mm-hmm. standardized? Mm-hmm. So it's really hard because I am the person who would benefit from a mm-hmm. socialized healthcare mm-hmm. industry, mm-hmm. but having to tell people who maybe have super healthy families, you know, be like, why don't you want to fight with me on this? Well, like our family, we're yeah. super healthy and don't right. anything. But right. I think that if you can look beyond yourself as a person right. and as a mother, I feel in my heart for you. And just because my family don't, and right. my family in New Zealand growing up, we didn't need it. We we're all healthy. Right. We we're in socialized medicine, you right. know, for the most part, one brother had a problem, but my sister's daughter had leukemia mm. roughly around the time that Takeshi was born. Yeah. And my, it was heartbreaking. Oh. And what she had to go through, watching her daughter go through that mm-hmm. was just horrible. Mm-hmm. And I said to my sister, I said, when everything was done, I wasn't, like, horrible about it. And I said to my sister one time, I'm like, and it made me think, I'm like, man, what do mums do in America that kids who go through leukemia and have to worry about how the hell they're going to pay for this? Because my sister didn't have to worry about that. All my sister had to worry about was her and her daughter's health. Right. You know what I mean? She didn't have to go home and think Mm -hmm. to herself, how am I going to pay for it? And when Drew fell off the ladder, I wasn't going to take him to the hospital because I'm like, I don't want to fork up six grand to be able to pay for this. Isn't that crazy? So I was going to put him back into the bedroom. And then our friend came and was like, you need to take him. He is like unconscious. You need to take him to the hospital. And money stopped me from... Being yeah. able to do that. Isn't that insane? So we live in a world where we don't take our husbands who have fallen off ladders. Yeah. Our, our kids. I mean, no one should lose their house because their child gets cancer. No. Like, you can't. It's, it's unpreventable. And it happens, It happens. Carly. It's no one's choice. It happens all across the world. We just pay for it much greater. So I that, don't know what all the answers are, Carly, yeah. but I know that what we've got isn't right. It's not right. It's not right. It's immoral. You know? It's it's a moral issue. It is immoral. Especially when you talk to the doctors. The doctors don't want it that way. No. They hate seeing me crying tears, not being yep. able to pay my bill. Like they yep. won't, you know. So it's not at a at a ground level. That's not the problem. Yeah. And I think most people involved in any industry have good hearts. It's just for yeah. some reason there's a disconnect between business and government and it's not matching up. It's yeah. got to change. It yeah. can't, it's unsustainable. So yeah, I, I got passionate about that and we of deal, course. it is something this is your we, son's life. we deal with it every single day. So like we just got a, a shipment that arrived yesterday and we're so grateful because he was down to the last of his supplies, but we can't, because of insurance, we can't place an order till a certain date. You know, never mind that, like, maybe some equipment failed in between. We still have to wait. So there's just a lot of, like, it's constantly on my mind. I'm constantly looking at the oh, calendar. Golly. You know, it's it's stressful. And it oh is something goodness. that in other countries they don't worry about. Now, the flip side of that is that we do have amazing technology here. Like We have amazing we medical mm-hmm people yeah. too we do we have state-of-the-art stuff yeah we do you know what i mean like, and people argue well it's because we're not socialized and mm-hmm. so we pay and we've got money and it's right. like okay that's great mm-hmm. i think that's amazing yeah but can we help august yeah can we have both like can <laughs> we like it's true like our dentists are 
state of the art. Like this, the technology that they use at our dentist's office are much different than around the world. I don't know that we need all of that. Like, I mean, it comes again. So it's, it's kind of a prioritizing of like, what do we need? So I am grateful we live in America because of the technology and the access to it. I hate the current way insurance and yeah. all that goes right now. It just, yeah. it, it's unsustainable. I'm sure you're not the only one. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure not. you're not the only one. I'm not. I'm, there's I, plenty of stories out there, right? And I think that we're not getting the stories of, of, of how it can work out there enough. I think people kind of put up their walls, and especially with politics, it's super divisive. Mm-hmm. It's very hard to get someone to listen to something that they normally wouldn't agree with. But when you listen to these success stories, whether it's England or, you know, people say like, oh, well, in Canada, they have to wait three months for a doctor. I am currently on a three-month wait list to see a psychiatrist for my medications, and I'm on a three-month wait list to get a new general practitioner doctor. Three months just to see a regular doctor. So we're already there. We're already there. So I would rather pay nothing and have Mm -hmm. to wait three months Mm -hmm. for an appointment than pay out the nose. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, I think we, I think as Americans, we let a lot of our health stuff go. We don't treat mental illness. We don't treat, you know, we probably don't get our breast cancer screenings as much as we Mm -hmm. should. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of things that should be covered Mm -hmm. that we skip. Mm -hmm. And I, yeah, I don't know what the answer is, but it's not, not what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Carly. That's fantastic. And I'm glad you're your sister's baby was okay. I'm glad yeah. she's okay too. Yeah, what a and, nightmare. And, and, and in New Zealand, we look after our mums and babies. Like yeah. I was talking about my sister, that's her job, to go around and visit mums in their home and ask them how they're doing, their um, family and their babies. That is Everything, so right? Everything. That's my sister's yeah. job, is to look after yeah. her people. Imagine if we had that hair. It would be amazing. But, I needed that, Carly. I, know, I needed can't. someone visiting me, asking yeah. me how I was doing, and yeah. I would have cried and said, I'm not I'm doing not. good. I'm not breastfeeding properly. Can you help me? Yeah. She's not sleeping. Can you? I'm not yeah. sleeping. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Can yeah. you help me? And my sister goes in there, yeah. and she's like, absolutely, and she shows them how to swaddle them. She ca- takes care of them. Uh. She gives them free food. She asks them. She helps them. Ask the dad how yeah. he's doing. Like, she's freaking amazing, See, and New Zealand has it. They have it sorted. Their, I mean, their quality awesome. of life is so high because yeah. of that because they prioritize life yeah. not not industry the reason that we don't have women coming to our homes is because we're already back at work i was back at yeah. work in six weeks with hadley well america is yeah. one of three countries in the world that mm. doesn't offer right. paid maternity yeah. leave and yeah. paternity well, there's insane. only two other countries in the world yep. that don't do it and we're one of them yeah and people will go it's oh no shocking. you have you have fmla if you work for a corporation but fmla is unpaid you have to yeah. save up your pay yeah, time off yeah so you do yeah depending on your company you get a little bit of time covered not much i mean but you are like i literally was like i felt like i was still limping yeah you know when i went back to work yeah. so that's amazing what they yeah. do in new zealand with that yeah that career of being that's able to go awesome. take care of those i would have cried America. too let's like uh yeah yeah let's let's make some changes <laughs> yep i know we'll get there so at some stage through all of this you found memes yes bec- and became an Instagram Mima and uh-huh. a star. You've got like over 40,000 followers at the moment just I on do. memes. So tell me uh-huh. about how you found that. Now that I'm listening to your yeah. life, I'm like, how could you not yeah. just love memes? <laughs> it's the only way to get through the day. No, it's funny. So I've always loved memes, you know, just anything humorous online, like even from the early days when it was just like pictures of cats. Like yeah. that's, We'd always be sending them to each other, like my sisters and I. And, and then we started saying, like, man, memes work. Like, they actually make, like, they cheer you up. They also educate you. Like, yep. if you don't know about an issue, you can learn about it through humor. It's true. Um, you know, you can take a, a really big idea and shrink it down to just 
uh, yeah. caption. Yeah. And that's kind of, we like bite-sized things now. We like tweets. You know, they're yep. very short, and you can get a lot of information out. So... I don't know why, but I just was like, I'm going to start a page. Like, I, I probably was super stressed with, like, a million things going on, and I just needed, like, an escape. And so I started it as an escape, but also because I, I did believe I was funny. I, mm -hmm. I thought I could pull it off. Mm -hmm. And um, I luckily hooked up pretty instantly with some other mom or parenting meme pages, and they kind of took me under their wing. And there's a little bit of finessing that you have to do with algorithms with Instagram, so you kind of have to get in with a group, and then that you they share you and you share them, and it creates kind of a like a false bump. And so oh, okay. that's so like hardly anyone nowadays can just start a social media page and have pure success that is organic not shared yeah it yeah. has to be shared it has to beat an algorithm it has to be promoted mm, so i didn't know that yeah That's it's good. it's crappy i mean it should just be algorithms in my personal opinion destroyed the world like mm -hmm. algorithms are you know ai that are telling you what you want to see and what you should think mm -hmm. instead of just showing you in chronological order right or showing you what you search for yeah so Anyway, so I got in with a good group, and they showed me the ropes of, like, how to share them, and they share me, and then just how to kind of, like, make your, when to post, like, when are good times, how to read the the analytics of it. So, like, you know, uh, for me, early morning posts are good, late night do really well, mm. weekends are terrible, so I rarely post on the weekends. But okay. it's all just for fun. None of it is for anything other than I get to be, I get to make funny things, I share funny things. Do you get paid? I do not. I do, sp I, I can get sponsorship deals where like if I promote a product like I promoted a tanning mousse recently where I got I saw that it looked awesome it's amazing it's really good I, I it sounds dumb but I really wouldn't promote it if I hated it I and think I, you're yeah. absolutely right and I tell people that like okay yeah. I'll I'll try your product but if I hate it like I'm, I'm gonna I'll just send it back to you because yeah. I can't lie <laughs> but um but no the so I'll do things like that or I've you know I'll I'll do like a a 24-hour ad for somebody for a little bit of money it's not much and it's more of a pain than anything so <laughs> most people who do like meme pages are not making any money mm. they're the people who make money on Instagram are like you know the like the families that are like all the pictures are perfect you know, oh. they have, like, the letter boards. Yeah. Like, it's, it's very manicured. Those people usually have, like, some really good, like, sponsorship deals or they link to businesses. So they're making a little bit of money doing that. It's not a ton of money. Like, mm. anyone who's very successful on Instagram still probably isn't making most of their revenue from that. It's mm. probably from YouTube or okay. TikTok. Yeah, so. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah, I didn't know that. But it's just for fun, and it's... Uh, it's a blast. It's so fun. Good. I spend too much time doing it for sure. Like I'm on it uh, way too many hours a day, but it's because it's so funny. Like it's not just me trying to make something funny. I'm being sent stuff that people think like, Hey, does this work? Is this funny? Should I change the wording? And it's like, I'm just in stitches every Good. single day at Good. this. And like, I love when a new meme trend pops up, like when Bernie crossed his arms yeah. <laughs> at the inauguration. That's I mean, right. we, I, it was like my phone lit up. Like yeah. as soon as that picture made it, because I think it was first posted to websites like, mm -hmm. um, you know, like New York Times, it was like just that picture of Bernie sitting there. Mm. And it was like, oh, here it is. And so mm -hmm. within like an hour, we had cranked out 
50 of them and we were all sharing each other's and it became a thing instantly not that the moms started that but that everyone recognizes when there's a new meme trend yeah and so yeah when there's something that pops up it's thrilling it's like oh this is yeah (laughs) like i'm trying to think of what the most recent one is but yeah you just recognize when something is like every it's funny or everybody can connect with it or you've just done such an amazing job like you and your friends i try to make it that i don't follow people that i don't know and so i mean there's some of your people that you follow like some guys and some Mm -hmm. women that are on point with Mm -hmm. their memes like they are so good but i try to make sure that you know i don't follow and that's just me we've all got rules about social media right Mm -hmm. but the one i'm glad that you share them and you're Mm -hmm. introducing new memers to us i love that i love seeing them and sometimes i look at their memes and i'm like bro that is like i feel that to my soul like what she just said yeah Yeah, Yeah, i feel that that is everything and that's what i love about it and in twitter too i really enjoy twitter because it's the same thing you can read a two-sentence tweet that sums up your entire Entire existence and yeah. you're like that's what i was feeling yeah. i just didn't have the words for it and then you just send it to your friends and be yeah. like haha you what know a and fun it, community yeah and i think that that's how we communicate now more i mean we all send each other through text messages we send gifts and yeah um which i love yes reaction gifts are life yeah. i mean emojis like we now emphasize our words with images yeah it's becoming more video now with tiktok and there's word that instagram is going to be pushing really hard to turn it to a more video like a really? full screen yeah I hope I, not I hope not either I think it started out as a very pure thing with just photos and I yeah. really enjoy that and I hope it I doesn't do change too. But I do too yeah you found some pretty good friendships mm-hmm. through this right yep and you guys have a, you were telling me you have a group mm-hmm. or will you kind of hang out or I don't know yeah, what is so, it tell me about that well so we have there's all the they're uh, chat rooms basically or group group chats okay. and it could be because we're all taking turns sharing each other so we're all in a group together or it could be like a creative group where we're just bouncing ideas but some of them i'm and 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 you can be in multiple ones and and multiple friends are in several so sometimes we'll be like did you hear about blah 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 and we're like oh no that was over in that group mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. it's fun that way no i have made i have probably five or six that i'm so close with that i would if they needed anything, I would fly to them, you know, and it's, Mm -hmm. and it's funny because I realized we were joking the other day that none of us even know each other's height, like, because we've never seen each other in person, (laughs) but they're, but I know everything about them. I know what their sex life is like. I know what their, you know, kids are going through. I know everything. So, um, yeah, I would love to do a meetup with a lot of these ladies and, um, a lot of the parents, but so far it just hasn't happened because of this last year, but I would definitely do, I would definitely do a meme meetup. (laughs) I love that this is a part of your life too, and that you have so much laughter in the support system in your life. I mean, why not, right? Right. It's like, it's either that or just be sad. I mean, it's, you know, like there's some days where I'm like, (laughs) I can either. I'm glad you chose the meme group. That's good. I know. Like, and there's definitely times I think like, do I need to still do this? Like, cause there are a lot of accounts out there doing the exact same thing and kind of the same ideas get, I mean, how many times can you say like, my husband doesn't listen to me? You yeah, know, it's like, yeah. you can only make a meme about that yeah. so many times before. <laughs> it's just not even funny at all. Yeah. So it is hard to constantly be coming up with stuff, but, and I keep thinking oh, no, like... you do a pretty good job. You yeah. just had one today <laughs> that I read about that kid whispering into his ear. That oh, was yeah. a really good state. Yeah, the... And he's like crying. <laughs> that was gold, Carly. Well, that's because that Leonardo gold. DiCaprio 
makes a perfect meme. You right? Could, you could just use Leonardo DiCaprio <laughs> images and you'd be a perfect memer. So um, his face is so good for memes. But so yeah, good. so no, it's it's funny. My favorite ones <laughs> usually come super quick uh, with like zero inspiration. Like I'll just be sitting there and be like, this is funny. Or And tweets, it's more like you know, funny stuff my kids say, like, just mm-hmm. funny scenarios. Like, I'll just be... Yeah, like, I'll be standing in the grocery line and think of something, and I just hurry and, you know, I'll either put it in my draft folder or I'll send it out to the world, and yeah. for better or worse, sometimes yeah. I'm like, I shouldn't have said that, but... Um, <laughs> yeah, what have been the repercussions of this, like, in a negative way? Much? Yeah. Hardly anything? Like, well, what's so I've had... Like? So there's always trolls. I mean, there's always people that will... That take everything very seriously. So, like, if you're joking about, like... Oh, my kids are annoying. You know, there's people who be like, you should be grateful you have kids. kids. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. like, no, that's not what it is. I went through fertility issues. I have the right to complain. Yeah. So, but I also try not to complain a lot on my page. I don't want it to be a place where people no, just... No, it's fun. Yeah, I don't it's want... It's fun. And I enjoy my kids. Like, I hope it comes across that I love being oh, a mother. Of course. But, um... Of course. But yeah, so there's there's always people that are like, and then there's always the people that... I mean, there's a lot of theft. People don't realize that memes and tweets are actually considered like IP, like you own that tweet, you own it, of course. you've written this, you own it. So it's, if it gets pushed, so like, let's say I tweet something and then someone else redesigns it, they use the exact wording, but they like put a border around it or they crop my name out or whatever. If they put it up on Instagram, I can fight it. I just have to send Instagram, I um, email them a copy of of my original, original. tweet that's timestamped, and Does they'll, they'll happen much. Yeah, it happens quite often. But I, I started. Sucks. It does, but I also just care a lot less. Like I used to be so full of vigor about it. Like, you know, how dare you take my content? Yeah. And now I'm like, it's a joke. Like it's yeah. fine if someone wants to reword it. Like whatever. Should. So for the most part, I don't get super into that. So yeah, there's a little bit of drama with that. But you I tried got your to... Instagram hacked, right? I did. So my first account, uh, I opened in May of 2019, and in May of 2020, it got hacked by Russian hackers that were holding it hostage for mm-hmm. money. It's mm-hmm. an absolutely insane story. But and I paid. I was such an idiot. I paid, and then they, of course they didn't give it back. Sorry, Callie. Uh, it's all right. It was a life lesson, and honestly, like I was the first. They had been sending messages to so many people. And it was basically a phishing scam. They would act as if they wanted you to work with them as a as an advertising opportunity. Mm. And they'd send you a link and say, what we're thinking of is if you could make it look like this. And you click on the link and you're fished. Okay. So it was actually good because a lot of people have been getting messages. And I was like, don't click on them. Mm. Like, you know, if you good. Get anything that looks like this, anything that has you log in again, don't good. do it. Good. Um, so it was, a, it was a learning curve. And I, I was scared to start again because I had... 27,000 followers when I got hacked and I was like that took a year how yeah. am I going to do this again and yeah. in no time at all it was I mean it was fine like yeah. it was as if I never lost them tell us your Instagram it's mommy mommy meme jeans yeah so yeah. all one word mommy meme jeans and your Twitter is the same same yeah okay yeah right not on Facebook anymore I yeah that's a whole got different thing yep. yeah yeah, yeah. And I follow her, and she's super funny, and she's got a community of people who are just as funny. So check her out. Thank Mommy you. Meme Jeans. Yep. Really, really good. Thank you. Well, Carly, it's been amazing to hear your story. What is something you think, lastly, last question, okay. what's something you think you'd tell your 13-year-old self How you now that you've lived a little while, you're in your late 30s, mm-hmm. what's something you would look back as your 13-year-old self and you would say to her? 
Because you've, yeah. Because 13, you haven't even started no. all of this stuff you're about to go through. Yeah. You know what I mean? So what would you tell her? I would say, I know your 13-year-old brain cannot comprehend this, but no- right? nothing matters. None of this matters. Like, all these things that you're worried about, trying to look cool, you know, not wanting to join a chess club because it might look nerdy. Like, none of that matters. <laughs> Get as much education as you can early on. Don't date that 24-year-old. Don't date... <laughs> Well, I would probably say something to the effect of, like, all guys are trash. Until until you're an adult, nothing good is going to happen. Like, there's just, I mean, have guy friends, sure. Yeah. Date around. Yeah, the minute you think you're in love. Yeah. Drop it. Yeah. (laughs) So I'd probably probably be such a bummer for my 13-year-old self. You're "You're a dork. None of this is real. (laughs) You should take chess club, learn more languages. Stay away from boys. (laughs) I would be, I'd be such a buzzkill. She's like, you're a total dork. I don't like my older self. That's what my kids are going to think. I'll be like, <laughs> That's what they think of all of us, right? Yeah. They're like, you don't know. It's like, we do know, we but do. they got to go through it themselves, right? Yeah. Are you, do you think you'll be honest with your kids about like, you know, I did this, I didn't do this? A hundred percent, Carly. Yeah. That's who I am. That's why people like and don't like me is because yeah. I'm very honest and Good. I have been with my children. Drew and I are very different people. Like his life, his teen age life mm-hmm. was very different from my teenage life right and then uh, and we're just such different people mm-hmm. like drew like i almost got suspended at high school drew would never right i'm super confrontational got into fights right. Drew's like a hard worker i'm lazy right you know what i mean mm-hmm. and so i don't think you're lazy but i know <laughs> i was I, yeah. it was tough for me i talked about it on my other podcast mm. uh, i think seven i was a horrible worker yeah but children forced me to now i'm a great worker yeah but You know, and so, yeah, I try to be really, really honest to my children and to have them know, you know, if you choose this, this is what's going to happen. And Mm -hmm. it's really hard. It's hard to watch them fall. Right. You know, especially when you've like, I saw this one meme and it said, if you did it wrong the first time, do it the way your mom first originally told you. (laughs) And I sent that meme to my teenagers and they started laughing. I'm like, I'm telling you, man, I know what I'm talking about. (laughs) And we sound crazy. And we thought our moms were crazy. Oh, we did. Yeah, we did. We totally were like, you don't know. Yeah. yeah, And now my mom, I realize she's everything. Yeah. You know what I mean? She knows. Yep. You know, so. Yep. Well, Carly, I love you. Thank, Thank you. you so I love much. you too, you and I appreciate it. You have done such a great job, and you have been through so much. Well, thank I you. I just hope that things can. From I'm so glad that Hadley is doing great in school, mm-hmm. and I hope that technology can get better for August, and yeah. that he can, that we can fight those fights so that he can be free. Yeah. He can be free. That would be nice. That's you know the what goal. I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, thanks so much. Thank you. Appreciate yeah. it. Well, I want to tell Carly a big thank you for being able to come and share her story with us. Isn't she amazing? It's such an honor to be able to listen to different people's stories and their struggles as well as their triumphs and what a triumph she's had with her children and with her Instagram account through the good and the bad as well as just with her herself and her marriage and with her depression and anxiety and ADHD and the wonderful things that she's learned on the way and just really finding out that You know, there's few things that really matter and she's found and focused on those things. I just really hope that we can all know that all of our trials and our successes are not in a competition with somebody else. 
Like, Carly felt bad that she didn't want to come across like down about her son having type 1 diabetes when other people's children have cancer and other different things and I told her it's not about that we all have our own journey it's not a competition we all get to feel and we all get to live and love through that journey whatever it is and there's so many stories out there that I want to capture and I'm so grateful that I captured Carly's story and that she was able to share with us some of the things that makes her so great that's made her sad and happy and made her laugh so go check her out on Mummy Meme Jeans at Twitter and on Instagram and she has a pretty awesome group that are pretty funny and she's made me laugh out loud with her memes multiple times including today. Her meme today was hilarious. I want to thank you for being here and for your support. I want to thank you for being a part of my journey here on the Candid Kiwi. I love you all and I hope that it helps make you feel better and it builds you up and educates you a little bit more and you feel like a little connected with a community and so until next time, Kakitiano Aoyakoto.